Hi, my name is Patrick Hickey Jr. and I am the author of the Minds Behind the Games book series. And I am also the voice of the Padre. You're listening to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things Sega, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC. In each episode, I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their projects and their passion for Sega. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a place where you can relax, listen to nice conversations, and have some drinks. Well, maybe not that last part, unless you have a drink with you, and if so, enjoy. I'd like to start this week's episode by giving a special shout-out to last week's guests, Pete Titan's Creed Nethercoat and Andrew the British Andy Wilson, or if you prefer, Pete and Andy. They hosted their third yearly Race for Good stream that went from Friday to Sunday, meaning they not only broke their initial goal of raising £700 for charity, but they also hit some milestones along the way, having raised over £3,000 in total for special effect. Huge congratulations to both of them, and here's to next year's Race for Good. Also, please support Special Effect if you can. As I said last week, they're a great group of people working towards a great cause so that video games can bring joy to people who would have otherwise been unable to experience them. More information on their work can be found at specialeffect.org.uk. And now, on to this week's guest. This week I'm joined by a man of many talents, Patrick Hickey Jr. He is a full-time lecturer of English and assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. He founded and is the editor-in-chief of ReviewFix.com, a website that covers most forms of media from music to film to video games. A journalist, Patrick was news editor at NBC and a video games writer at examiner.com. In April 2018, he released his first book, The Minds Behind the Games, Interviews with Cult and Classic Video Game Developers, containing interviews and stories behind some of the most iconic and relevant video games in history, and written in an interesting and approachable style. It was followed by The Minds Behind the Adventure Games, and a few more books in the series are already in line to be released, including The Minds Behind the Sports Games, The Shooter Games, The Genesis Games, and The PlayStation Games. Apart from all of that, Patrick is also a father of two. He welcomed his second child a few weeks ago, so if you hear kids in the background, that's why. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Patrick Hickey Jr. Hello, Patrick. Welcome to the Sega Lounge. What's up, man? Happy to uh, happy to be here. Awesome. Happy to have you. It's a, an honor and a pleasure to have you here. So you're the author of the Minds Behind the Games uh, series of books. Mm-hmm. Right? So we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that. Uh, for oh. people not familiar with that, you're uh, not, not just the author of those books, but you're really a, a very prolific writer and author. 
so we'll we'll have the chance of uh, talk about that in a bit. But let's start sure. from the beginning. Let's start with a, a short introduction, if you will. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you, for example, started playing video games and how they became, became such a, an important uh, part of your, your life? I just think probably the, the first memories of my life were RBI Baseball on the Nintendo Entertainment System and Super Mario Brothers. Um, and then later on, uh, I still like, I haven't seen some of my cousins in like three decades. I'm 36, but I still remember playing Altered Beast on the Sega Master System. You know, like I, I specifically remember playing Rocky on the Sega Master System with them. I must have been like four or five years old. So it's just like, mm -hmm. for as long as I've been alive, video games have been a huge, huge part of my life. Um, I would say uh, when I got into high school, I was kind of like the jock. I was on the baseball team and stuff, and I kind of repressed my gaming habits to like my friends, but I was hardcore, hardcore. Um, when I got my first job, that's like pretty much like what all my money went to. Um, I still have pretty much every game I've ever purchased since I'm 14 years old. So I have about 3,000 physical games across like 30 consoles. Um, awesome. <laughs> when I was 18, I got in a car accident and I messed up my neck and back pretty badly. So um, I kind of had to pivot from I wanted to go to college and try and, you know, be a professional hockey player. That was like my that was my goal. Uh, but I had spent all this time, you know, reading video game magazines and reading sports almanacs my my entire childhood that I was just like, you know, maybe writing might might be might be an answer for me. And uh, I ended up going to college and getting three degrees in uh, journalism. Um, mm -hmm. And then I started teaching college and I started writing for local newspapers. And then it just got to the point where I was just like, you know what, let me start my own site. So then I started reviewfix.com, which has been around now for like 11 years. Um, and I started really interacting with developers and interviewing developers. And I started writing for Examiner. At one time, um, I was the most read video games uh, writer for examiner.com. Uh, I was a entertainment writer and an editor at NBC for two and a half years. I covered a ton, a ton of video games from Sonic Lost Worlds, The Last of Us, Guitar Hero, pretty much all the 2K games from like 2012 to like 2015. Like I, I did a ton of video game writing for NBC. And then uh, I got married. So I decided to leave NBC and focus uh, on teaching full time. I have a tenured position at the college that I teach at, but I still continue to run review fix. And then it just got to the point where I just noticed after about 10, 11 years of writing that a lot of my writing had like disappeared off of the internet because the sites were no longer in business and stuff. And I was like, I need to create something that'll kind of be immortal. And the only way you can really do that if you're a writer is to write a book. Even if a book goes out of print, there's still copies of it around, you know, it's like, yeah you'll always be able to find a copy of a book if you really wanted one, you know? So, um, yeah, I was kind of at that crossroads in my life where my first daughter was about to be born and I wanted to do something really cool. And I just decided to write the first book and then the first book did super well. And I signed a contract for uh, three more books. And then, uh, after I finished up the third book, 
um, in that series. So that would be the fourth book in the Minds Behind the Game series. I signed a contract in February for the Minds Behind the Sega Genesis games. And then about a week ago, I signed the contract for the Minds Behind the Sony PlayStation games. So, yeah, it's been a pretty so it's, wild it's ride. Well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. That's great. You, yeah. you mentioned uh, reviewfix.com, so that's a mm-hmm. website that people can, can actually visit and, and yeah. follow you there in your, your works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you write a lot there. You review games, retro games, for example. Or not, not sure if review is the, the best way to put it. Maybe you, you, you talk about them. Yeah, maybe like right? commentary. Exactly. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's a very eclectic uh, eclectic kind of website right so you're not just dedicated to video games you have oh yeah it's uh, music indie music, music professional wrestling uh, exactly. comic books it's total like geek stuff so yeah, so yeah yeah so my first question regarding that so considering everything that you just said mm-hmm. so, uh and for people not in the know you uh were a father again so mm-hmm. for the second yeah. time recently yeah, about a month ago mm-hmm. yeah so books uh review fix your uh, job as a teacher etc mm-hmm. how do you find time to do everything to to do everything that you do how do you find time to write all the things that you write uh sleepless <laughs> <laughs> i i'm telling you that's like that's i get asked sleep, that question sleepless or sleepless sleepless and okay, uh okay. and then just manage <laughs> just manage time manage your time as as best you can like i tell my students all the time the best day is when you wake up a little bit early and you get the majority of the stuff that you need done before lunchtime so anything else that you need to get done like after lunchtime like that's not important if you get it done it's it's not the if you don't get it done it's not the end of the world but if you do get it done then you go into the next day with a little less which means you could do a little bit more you know so it's just Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of like I, I'm a full a firm believer of um, keeping a to do list, and every every Sunday night I sit down and I just write down all the things that I want to get done for the week. And if Sunday comes and there are anything left on that list, then I stay up and and get them done. So I, I start every week pretty much with like a clean slate, you know. And uh, it takes a lot of focus and a lot of you know uh, a lot of uh, how do I say. Focus is probably discipline as well. Discipline, yeah, and and passion, and Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) neuroticness and compulsiveness. But (laughs) I mean, it's it's the only reason. Like people, I'm working on my sixth book now in about four years. So that's and these books are not tiny. There's a ton of video game books out there that are like mostly pictures. They're like reference books where there's like 150 contributors and stuff like that. And like my books, that those are not my books. You know, my books are not like that. I, I'm the one doing all the interviews with all the developers. I'm the one writing, you know, all the chapters. I'm the one editing it. I'm the one getting all the photos and stuff. It's it's a lot of work. But at the end of the day, when it's something that you believe in and you care about it that much, then it just it, it makes your time feel a lot more valuable. So like my, my um my short answer to that question would just be like, make sure that you value your time. And then fill up your time with valuable things. People that aren't worth your time, things that aren't worth your time, you just don't do them. <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> so that that probably be my short answer. Okay, awesome, awesome. Because mm-hmm. you really are a, a prolific writer, just as I said when 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 we were starting the interview. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's let's go back to uh, 
the the books that we we just mentioned the minds behind the games mm-hmm. actually that that's the title of the first one the yes. minds behind the games so uh for people who are not familiar with this this book um how did apart from wanting to like leave your legacy available for people to to pick it up somewhere and just read your works in in a physical form uh why did you decide to go this route with, of deciding to to write about video games and um finding out these uh, not very well known stories about games as well sure so so basically what happened was i kind of alluded to it before it's like my um uh, my wife was like five months pregnant and um i wanted to do something like that i was super proud of um to kind of like have something like a legacy, you know, and um, I had been teaching for about 10 years at that point. And originally my goal was I, I wanted to create a multimedia journalism program for the college that I worked at. I had taught it at a couple of other colleges and I wanted to bring it to the college that, you know, I, I work at full time, you know, and um, my supervisor was basically like, no. And um, I was kind of pissed and it was kind of like I looked at this person kind of almost like, you know, a mentor and I just saw that. He had his tenure and he was just going to kind of ride out the rest of his career. Like he didn't want to do anything extra and he was just going to slide by. And I mean, I was 34 at the time, so I'm, I was kind of like hungry and I still am, you know, hungry to do stuff and uh, to make a mark, you know, to leave an impression on people and not to just kind of coast by like like a fart in the wind, you know. And um, <laughs> so I was like, my as, as soon as he said no, my first impulse was kind of like, well, then I'm going to go write a book. So his answer was, then go write a book. So I went home and I was just sitting in my man cave where like all my, all my games are and stuff. And I'm just like, what am I going to write about? I'm like, cause I'm doing this. I'm totally doing this. And I'm just sitting like on the floor in my man cave and I'm surrounded by games. And I just started pulling games out like Wonder Boy and Monster World and NBA Jam and Toe Jam and Earl and King's Bounty and Mutant League Football. And I'm just like, I know who created these games, but a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are great stories behind these games. And I'm just like, why don't I try and contact some of these guys? Some of them I knew already. Some of them I didn't. So I'm like, let me go hunting. And what I did was I got like six developers uh, and I emailed them. And I'm like, if three of them answer me, I think that'll be enough to like start a book, like have something to pitch to a publisher. Within a week, all six got back to me. So this was like on Halloween of 2016. I'm just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So a week later, um, all six got back to me. And then by Thanksgiving, I had a book deal. So I just, after that, after I got the first six, then I, I just said, all right, what are some games that I know have affected me, that have affected other people, games that have interesting stories or games that like deserve, people deserve to know more about, you know, games like Night Trap, you know, that like are just like Mm -hmm. laced in infamy, but like nobody really knows like the true stories behind them, you know? So video games are probably away from my wife, my daughter and my son, my, my favorite thing in like the entire world. And in terms of writing, my favorite things to write are interviews. I love to sit down with people and just listen and have them tell me a story. So I was just like, you know what? This book is going to read well if I combine those two things. So I'm like, I'm going to, I I said it early on. I'm like, I'm going to 
have like an interview anthology. So that's basically like each chapter reads like completely independent of everything else. So it's yeah. like if you pick up the book and you're like, you know what, I really want to know about Night Trap. And you just want to read the Night Trap chapter. You absolutely can. I had somebody message me on Twitter like two days ago and they showed me that they had bought a copy of the book and um, they're like, oh, I only read the Mortal Kombat chapter, but I loved it. And I'm just like, you know, there's like 35 other games. In the book. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know I'm going to get around to it. He goes, but I love And this guy is like a hardcore like Mortal Kombat fan. Like he's he's got uh, an Instagram account with like 38,000 followers. He every day is like Mortal Kombat on his page. So it's like for me, for him to buy my book was huge. But, you know, it's also like a book that I think people that really love video games and love how diverse and eclectic the industry can be will really enjoy it. Because for me, the first book is kind of like a front of uh, like a front row ticket to my childhood. It's like all these games that affected me as a kid and affected other people too. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how it all started. Just me combining two things that I loved, like journalism, like real journalism and, uh, and video games. Yeah. Yeah. You, you say something, uh, in, in the introduction to the second game, adventure games um, mm -hmm. you say something um so does anyone go out of their way to know who created their favorite games mm -hmm. <laughs> why don't we care who made the adventures that define us in so many ways why yeah. do we remember actors <laughs> directors and names in films but not creators of video games and even even in music we remember like one hit wonders and whatnot but sure not games why do you think that is why do you think people just um don't care uh, as much about who creates this this form of media that we that so many people love and you know I, and I why do they brush past that i think it's two things so the first thing is the the industry conditioned people to care more about the publisher than the creator so it's like if i ask mm -hmm. you who created grand theft auto the average person will right away say rockstar yeah you know, if I ask you who created Street Fighter, the average person will go Capcom. You know, if I ask you who created Sonic the Hedgehog, Sega, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. The second part is that a lot of these creators, away from the industry, like away from the industry, setting it up to make the publisher more important. Like even Sega, for instance, like a lot of games early on that the developers went under pseudonyms, you know, yeah, like yeah, fake. Yeah. So this way they, they couldn't be poached by another company, mm -hmm. you know, in Japan, especially in the United States, it was different that developers weren't even allowed to put their names on games. It, like at Atari, a bunch of creators left to go form Activision because they wanted to put their names on their games. So it's like those two things put together um, play a very, very big role in it. And it's kind of scary because video games are the highest grossing form of pop culture in the entire world. Yeah. You know? We should know who the Scorseses are and who the Michael Jacksons are and the Whitney Houstons and the, you know, mm -hmm. and the Chow Young Fats <laughs> and all these amazing, you know, but we don't. And I think that's changing now. And I think that's changing because people are finally starting to realize how cool some of these developers are. So obviously, like people know, you know, Ed Boon, John Tobias and Jaffe and Kojima and Druckmann and stuff. But as time goes on, and especially with the way social media is right now, I feel like a lot of these people's names are going to be known. It's just video games still too are kind of in their infancy. 
you know, video games have only been around for like 50 years when you think about it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's like, I tell people this all the time and they think I'm crazy when I say it, but um, I really feel like I've written a, a book and now the other books in the series that won't be really like super appreciated for like another 20 years, you know, like 20 years from now when people are reading this and they're in their fifties, they're going to be like, Oh my God, I played that game when I was six years old. It had a huge effect on me. How did I not know the story? Blah, blah, blah. Like some of it is still relatively too new, you know, but um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it also depends on uh, people's experiences with games as well. So absolutely. S- some people absolutely. just play the, the, those triple a massive hit games, mm-hmm. then move on to the next new thing. And they just don't look back. So if there's no nostalgia attached to something, uh, people don't really appreciate it as much, I think. So wh- the, the reason why some of the, um, the stories that you wrote here and the interviews mm-hmm. um, really resonated with me was because there is nostalgia sure. <laughs> attached to some of these games as well. Absolutely. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. No, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that, you know... Um, I love to go to the video game store and pick out games and people will be like, that game costs like $4. Why did you buy that? And I'm like, cause this guy eventually created this and they'll go, wait, what? And I'll be like, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, Hulk ultimate destruction, the guy that one of the designers of Hulk, Hulk ultimate destruction, you know, went on to create this game and that game or the guy that made, um, you know, uh, Spider-Man, the movie game on PS2. Did you know that he was the producer on Medal of Honor, the one that came out on PS3 and Xbox 360? Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like the Kevin Bacon game in a way, you know. And <laughs> and the thing that's the thing. It's like the video game history is so rich that you could pick out a game and find out like three or four people on the team and find out that they worked on games that you played like 15, 20 years ago, you know. But the thing is, like nobody really does that. So. I feel like my goal in a way is to try and get people to like seriously like geek out over this stuff, get super nerdy, get super nostalgic. And what it does is it gives you a greater appreciation for games. So it's, it's to me, it's more than just playing games. It's understanding how they're made and also understanding how the creation of the game affected the person that created it, you know? So, cause I think everyone thinks being a video game developer is it's this super fun, no stress job. And, and it's absolutely it's absolutely stressful and at times it can be not fun. So it's like, I feel like my audience in a way is those hardcore nostalgia freaks, but it's also like up and coming game designers that want to know like what the field is like. And mm-hmm. then it's also, it's also historians. Cause I feel like a lot of the games that I write about, if you go on the Wikipedia page or if you go on Reddit and ask some of the questions that I asked, the, the answers are still not online, you know? So, so yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. I think so. Definitely. So, uh, going back to the first uh, book, so you you mm-hmm. probably weren't expecting to get all six developers to to answer you as quickly as they did. Things, at least from my perspective, listening to you, kind of snowballed, right? So you. Were... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it, like I. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't even expecting all six to get back to me. I was like, if half of them get back to me, I would have been happy. Yeah. You know. So then the <laughs> fact that all six, then, then like my publisher is like, oh, this is great, but like judging on the length of your chapters, you're gonna need like at least twenty five games to make this like a real book. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I have to get like nineteen more. Holy crap! And then I ended up with thirty six. <laughs> so you know, yeah, it was. 
it was a wild experience. Yeah, for sure. But it's great that you, and just like you mentioned, this is not just uh, questions and answers no, uh, no. book, right? So it's a story. Each chapter actually works as a chapter, as a story. Mm -hmm. It's own yeah. story. It's a, a very interesting uh, approach to this. So you, you kind of tell the story behind the game um, and, and behind the developer as well, and then add some, some bits, some quotes yeah. from the, the interviews as well. Why did you go with this approach instead of just, uh, here's my full transcript of the interview with this guy? So before I really like pitch, pitch the book, I read a bunch of other video game books and uh, a bunch of them were great, but um, I, I saw problems. I saw, I saw one book, I won't tell names, I don't want to blow up anybody, but um, that like the author like totally took over like the story. You know, it was like they were the one telling the story. And I was just like, I want to hear more from the person that said these things than the writer. Then I saw another book that um, <laughs> it was it, it was laid out the same way as mine, like chapter by chapter. But each each chapter was just Q&A. So I'm like, there's no skill in that. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just Q&A, you know, and I felt like if I just if I laid out the transcript, that would be the same exact thing, you know, like, so I wanted, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be a few things. I wanted it to be an engaging story. I wanted to prove to people that like, I was a good reporter, that I knew how to, you know, structure the story properly, that I knew how to make it engaging. And then um, third, I wanted to provide proper context. So that's like the beginning of each chapter is just like three or four paragraphs of me, like setting the scene. Why is this game important? How many copies did it sell? What did it influence and stuff like that? And it's just like, I feel like that's necessary because some people may go into the beginning of a chapter and go, why the hell am I going to read about this game? And then they go, oh, wait a second. Whoa. Oh, okay. All right. Let me hear what this guy has to say. You know, so it yeah. was just me kind of taking a look at like what everybody else was doing and then finding my own way to like make it work best for my style and then create a book that I think would read better than the competitions. That, that was kind of like why I structured it the way that I did. Yeah. And it's really interesting because and the, the, the approach of, of having uh, each chapter as its own separate thing really works because you can, uh, you can just pick up the book, read one of the chapters. Okay. You find out more about that, that game. Uh, if you want, you can, you know, put it back down. You usually don't because you, you want to find out about the next game, <laughs> uh, the next chapter, but, but you can if you want to and just come back later and uh, read about something that is, is not really related to, to the previous chapter other than being a video game and, and being very interesting to, to learn about that as well. It's a great approach, I think. Yeah, thanks. It's, man. thanks. And so this, this first book was, uh, you, you said before that you wanted to make it something that was you know, personal, that uh, talked about games that, um, you know, left a mark on you in some mm -hmm. way, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, it was, it's kind of like a love letter, in a way, to like, for every, you know, late 80s, early 90s kid, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, that grew up playing video games, that grew up going to the video game store, with like fifteen dollars in his in their pocket and wanted to get like as many games as they could or the one that would go to the rental store and just pick out a game because it had a cool, you know, box art and stuff like that. That's that's kind of like the the kind of book that I wanted to write. Yeah. Definitely. Some interesting stories here. So 
if you had to, this is the the question that no one likes to answer. But if you had to, I I wouldn't say the pick the best uh, story or interview, but maybe one one that you, if you wanted to pitch the book to to someone who never read it. Oh, that's an easy question. Yeah, it's funny. I think I know the answer, but yeah. Go ahead. So what happened was when I told people that I had this this game in the book, they were like, "Why? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody's gonna care." And I was just like, "People are going to care. This game had a massive effect on the industry." And they were like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, okay." And then a couple of months go by, and it was probably easily like at least ten to fifteen people that all said the same thing to me. And they all, every single one of them came back to me and they were like, Pat, the Night Trap chapter is the best chapter in the entire book. And I was okay. like, thank you. So for me, it's like, because Night Trap gets such a bad rap, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, it's just like, it should have came out like seven years, seven years before it did. If it came out in 1985, it could have changed the industry, you know? It's like, imagine if like Super Mario World came out in like 1999 people would have been like yeah it's a cool game but like it looks a little dated you know Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't have had the same effect seven years in the video game industry is just like it's it's forever yeah you know Mm -hmm. so that would be that's if if people are interested in um in reading the book and they only want to like do like like one chapter to kind of get an idea i would totally tell them what chapter did you think i was going to say i thought you would say et Oh, I love the ET chapter because it, it's it's an infamous game. I love yeah. the, the ET chapter because I, I didn't know Thank anything you. about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really really interesting. And and how you uh, approach this from the perspective of the the developer as well. People mm-hmm. are very quick to judge and <laughs> bash something they don't know anything about it. Oh, so absolutely, if they only absolutely. knew how long he took to develop the game. <laughs> it's funny too because it's like I I've learned so much more. Like, cause now, I mean, now I'm on my, my fifth and sixth book. So like mm-hmm. it's, cr- and like, I talked to other developers from Atari, um, who worked with Howard Scott Warshaw during that time. And they were like, Pat, you don't understand. Like for five or six weeks, he sat in a dark room and just worked like nonstop 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. You know? So it's just like, it makes you appreciate that game that much more i mean what that game was able to do on the atari 2600 i mean it's it's insane if he would have had more time it probably would have been a much better game but just the fact that he was able to finish a fully completed game it just says something and i feel like (laughs) youtube and like the angry video game nerd and and stuff they just trash the shit out of it and then it's just so easy for kids teenagers like my nephew's 12 and he's just like, oh, E.T. sucks. And I'm just like, have you ever played it, Kevin? No. So what gives you the right to say that it sucks? You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, this is coming from a guy that that owns a site called Review Fix. I mean, I've reviewed hundreds of video games, but I can honestly say that, like, after I started doing these books, I've probably only reviewed like a dozen or so games because I've just come to realize that the legacy of the game is tarnished by reviews that when when people don't know the whole story and the thing is it's very rare that a critic is the one that interviews the developer you oh know? for sure I, yeah yeah so my whole thing is it's just like after interviewing all of these developers i've i've grown such a, a deeper appreciation for so many of these games some of them that i didn't particularly like as a player but now when i play them i just see 
them in a different way. And it's just, it's so easy in our culture to just say something's bad. It's so much harder in our culture to try and appreciate something as art, you know? So after writing these books, that's kind of like the approach that I have now. Like I have other people on my site that I'm like, you know what, if you want to write reviews, go ahead, write them. Like, and I focus on doing interviews and recaps and stuff like that. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, let people make up their own mind. You know, I don't want to be an influencer and tell people, oh, you must like this. I want to just tell people, you know what, check this out. There might be something in here that could have, that has some value to you emotionally, physically, intellectually. I feel like that's so much more important than just saying, this is good. This is bad or putting like, to me, the worst thing, just putting a score on something, uh-huh. you know? So. And, and it's always subjective, right? A review Absolutely. is always subjective. So it's, it's always, um, you can't be totally impartial when you're reviewing no. something because you're always carrying some some baggage with you. Some mm-hmm. either That's because you lo- you love the series or hate it, or because someone told you something about it, or because you were expecting something and then it turned out to be different. So absolutely, I mean, like yeah. a small small side story. Like I picked up uh, the Outer Worlds the other day on mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch, and. Um, the loading time isn't great you know like when you die it takes it takes like two three minutes for it to like boot back up which is kind of annoying but i mean i love obsidian's work on fallout new vegas so mm-hmm. for me to be able to take that with me on the go on the switch is great and i have friends that they're like you like that game and i'm like yeah and they're like oh i didn't like fallout new vegas so then i'm like well if you didn't like fallout new vegas then you wouldn't like outer Worlds. so like don't trash outer worlds because it's not your your cup of tea you know, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of like where I'm at now in terms of like reviews, they serve a purpose and I love to read them, but I always take things with like a grain of salt, especially those games that get like a five and a half or a six where you're just like, this person got through this game. They got through this game for a reason. There's something else here, but they might not have, they might not have seen it, you know? So that's kind of like what I feel like my goal is when I interview a developer to try and find out like to them like what are the redeeming qualities or like what went wrong or what went right rather than just put, you know, a score on Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And going back to E.T. on that regard, uh, it's Mm -hmm. funny that um, he doesn't really say that it's a perfect game or Mm -hmm. he knows what's wrong. He knows that if he had more time, he could have done a a better job with it. But it's it's, so he's he's, uh, honest with it all yeah he's is, he's one of the coolest developers i've ever spoken to like yeah. he's just totally straight up and you know and i feel like that kind of charisma served him serves him really well and I mean, he's a psychiatrist now so oh. i mean and he works a lot with like video game developers so it's like he he's he's a one-of-a-kind person mm-hmm. he knows the struggle <laughs> yes mm-hmm. yeah okay awesome so then you wrote a book about adventure games, the mm-hmm. minds behind uh, the adventure games. Mm-hmm. Uh, same same concept, but with a, a little bit uh, different games, right? So, and and you actually say uh, in in your introduction that not all of the games featured in the book are what are is considered uh, an an actual adventure game mm-hmm. by many people. Yeah. Um, why do you feel that some of these games are adventure games? Because I feel like, um, first off, I feel like it, the adventure genre is kind of like the father of every other genre because every game 
takes you on a adventure you know Mm -hmm. every game has like a story every game like puts you somewhere else like that in itself is an adventure like a first person shooter like doom sends you to like hell Mm -hmm. it's a shooting game but it's also an adventure you know so i tried to pick games that like had a really unique focus on story and games that like people also may not have known about like double dragon on atari 2600 you know how many people knew that there was a double dragon game on atari 2600 um mm-hmm. so it's like the reason why like parappa the rapper got in there because yeah it's a it's a rhythm game however like everyone connected with parappa and his like pursuit of sunny so it's like that game takes you on a journey an adventure of like you know self-exploration of like everyone's been in that been in the situations as parappa like learning how to fight because a bully is messing with them learning how to drive so you can impress the girl waiting online to go to the bathroom somewhere before you're about to like explode so it's like as much as (laughs) parappa is a rhythm game it's it also takes you on an adventure you know so that's kind of like that was my logic but behind the whole thing awesome any uh, particular chapter in that that you would vi- uh, would uh, advise people to to read? Oh, the Family Guy chapter. Because, okay. Uh, I mean, that game could have been so much better than what it was. It was serviceable. Like I, I played it and beat it on the PlayStation Portable and the PlayStation Two. Um, I enjoyed it. I felt like you know there were some some issues with it, but when I spoke to the developers and found out all of the things these poor guys and gals had to go through from 2K and from the prior team that had it before, um, it just made me appreciate the work that they did and the fact that they were able to even ship it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say the fam- the Family Guy chapter in The Minds Behind the Adventure Games is probably like the night trap of of the second book. And then like how you liked E.T. so much, I would say the Grand Theft Auto chapter is definitely <laughs> like the et because i mean grand theft auto i mean i ended the book with grand theft auto because i felt like it was the strongest chapter because of all the things that those guys had to go through just to get Mm -hmm. that came out on ps1 like they were having problems with the game and sony wouldn't tell them like what the bug was they the game almost almost didn't come out on playstation one you know and what a, a, a turn of events that would have been okay awesome so those are our two of the games uh two of the books actually that you you've mm-hmm. released we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that but sure. uh it's time to do something different uh, okay we have we have a, a tradition here with our guests uh and that is quick shots okay. what is quick shots not alcohol I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's basically a quick fire round. So I will just give you some words or phrases. Mm-hmm. And I want you to just say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Okay. So scary. <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Okay. I'm scared as well. So quick shots with Patrick Hickey Jr. Let's start with the first one. Video games. Uh, fun. Good one. The minds behind the games. Hmm. Intense. Mm. Writing. Uh, passion. Okay. You're doing great. Okay, two more. 
teaching. I have to be very careful what I say here. <laughs> uh, rewarding. Okay. <laughs> and finally, Patrick Hickey Jr. Workaholic. <laughs> awesome. That was Quick Shots oh, with okay. Patrick Hickey Jr. That's, that was easy. It was easy. Yeah, that was easy. People, people are like, oh, no, what's going to come out of this? And no, it's yeah. just, just easy, easy. Okay, awesome. So, Patrick, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, um, to hear from our sponsors at Nestle. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> Nestle, hit me up, yeah. Um, but when we come back, I have another surprise for you. Okay. Who's the one for you to count on? Won't turn from danger from now on. Is strong and ready for trouble on this platform. So dare violate and get your back torn. Out of darkness, rise of justice. The man that saves lives inside this crisis. He is Walker, Burning Ranger. New series starring Chuck Norris coming 2021 to Sega Flex. Welcome back, Patrick. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge. <laughs> it's time. It's a really short break, right? Mm -hmm. Feels like we just kept going. Yeah. Wow. The magic of podcast editing. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's time for something different. So if you thought quick shots were, e were easy, it's time for the Sega Lounge Challenge. Oh. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for, and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> what is the Sega Lounge Challenge, you ask? Well, you didn't, but I, I will tell you anyway. Okay. It's a challenge we, <laughs> we have every week for our guests. And it, it can be anything I want. So it can mm -hmm. be something different every week. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming game, uh, The Minds Behind the Genesis games, right? Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but so since you're working on that, I thought, let's, let's have a, a, a Sega Genesis quiz. Okay. To see how much uh, you know about the Sega games, mostly sure. Sega games here, mm -hmm. uh, not just Sega, but, but mostly. Um, and what I have here are 10 questions, multiple okay. choice questions, some harder than others. Uh, and are you ready to take this quiz and see how you fare? Sure, absolutely. I just want to preface it with saying that <laughs> a journalist such as myself, prides himself at, by not knowing all of the answers and interviewing the right people to find out the answers. So just, just throwing that out there. That, that's there a, a very good, very good. That's, that's okay. the best, uh, the best <laughs> introduction to a Sega Lounge Challenge ever. Awesome. Okay, with that, with that note in mind, let's get started with question okay. number one. Mm -hmm. 
1993. This is a very easy question, I think. Virgin Games released Cool Spot for the Genesis. Mm -hmm. It starred the then mascot of which beverage? Is it A, 7-Up, B, Pepsi, or C, Sprite? See, I always get the two mixed up, 7-Up and Sprite, but I'm going to say 7-Up. So your answer, final answer, is 7-Up. And it's correct. Well done. Good job. Good job. This was this was just the, the warm up. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's let's go with the second one. Well, do, which do is... you know too that Virgin Interactive Cool Spot was actually designed and programmed by David Perry, who went on to do yes. Aladdin. Yeah. On the Genesis, which is the fourth best selling game on the Sega Genesis. Aladdin is one of my favorite games on go. the Genesis as well. Yeah. Nice. D Dave and also Perry. featured in the minds behind the Sega Genesis games. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm actually trying to get Dave on the show. Uh, we, I was all we were very close to get him on uh, to getting him on the show uh, a few years ago, but he he was working for Sony at the time. Yeah, and they said, "Nah, let, oh, let's sucks. not, let's not yeah. do that." And so he emailed me back very politely, oh. saying, "Not now, but maybe in the future." Yeah. Working on that. Very nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's go with something completely different. Mm -hmm. Let's go with a Golden X question. Mm -hmm. So, which of the following is the name of the rideable beasts you find oh in the Golden X games? Okay, so you, have you played Golden X? Yes, yes. Yes? yes. Oh, yeah. oh, awesome. So that's 50% that's of the, the, the work done. Now, the other 50% is finding out what the name of the beasts are. So, is it Long Moans? Long Moans. Option A. Option B, Henningers. Or option C, Bizarians. Hmm. Can you say it one more time? Long Moans, Henningers, or Bizarians? Oh, my God. Both amazing names. Bo not both. All three of them are amazing names. Wow. Would you ride a long moan? Would you ride a, a, a Henninger or a, a Bizarian? I'm gonna, I'll go with a Henninger. Mm -hmm. Why? It, it just sounds very Golden Axe. Well, it could be long moan too, but yeah. Wow, yeah, I have no idea. Wow. Okay. The correct answer is... C, Bizarians. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like something out of like a space game. You know? uh, I think uh, I, I, this is a question that I, I sometimes ask, so I can't remember now if these names are made up or not, but I, I don't think they are. Yeah. These names are definitely part of Golden Axe in some way, I think. I gotcha. I just always yeah. called them like, you know, the dragon or whatever, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, because like the different colors and stuff like that. And uh huh. Uh huh. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go with. So we're uh, one one wrong, one right. So mm -hmm. not not bad. Let's go with number three. The Illusion series of Disney games in the nineties gave us several titles, mostly star uh, starring Mickey Mouse, but one of them 
allowed you to play as either Mickey or Donald, or both in two-player mode. What's the name of that game? Is it A. Castle of Illusion, B. World of Illusion, or C. Legend of Illusion? Castle, it, world, it's world, legend. It's world. I'm, I, I have the cover. Like, the cover is in my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you world sure? of Illusion. Final answer. Final mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. And it's correct, of yeah. course. One of my uh, personal favorites as well. Very cool game, especially uh, in co op. Okay. Absolutely. So, two out of three. Number four. Are you ready, Patrick? Sure. No, you're not. In the standalone game, Sonic and Knuckles, what's the third zone you find when you play as Sonic? Is it Lava Reef Zone, Sandopolis Zone, or Flying Battery Zone? Third zone in Sonic and Knuckles when you play as Sonic. Hmm. Lava Reef Sandopolis or Flying Battery? Say the names one more time. So option A, Lava Reef Zone. Mm -hmm. Option B, Sandopolis Zone. Mm -hmm. Option C, Flying Battery Zone. Let's say B. So Sandopolis? Yeah, let's say Sandopolis. Sonic and Knuckles, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played Sonic and Knuckles in forever. Mm-hmm. I'm more a Sonic 2 guy. Mm. Awesome. The answer is... Ah, uh, correct, actually. Yes, it was Sendopolis. Yeah, Thank you. That's the third, the third zone totally uh, in Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> well done. Let's keep Thank going you. with number five. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit different. A turn-based tactical RPG. This 16-bit classic has as its protagonist a hero by the name of Max. Is the game A. Shining Force B. Fantasy Star 2 or C. Beyond Oasis A turn-based tactical RPG, and you play where the hero is Max. Shining Force, Fantasy Star 2, Beyond Oasis. So I know Beyond Oasis is Prince Ali. Let's say Shining Force. Are you sure? Yes. Final answer. What if I told you that your answer <sighs> is... Correct! Well Thanks. done! <laughs> it is Shining Force, yes. Nice. The ever played Shining Force? Yeah, no? oh yeah. It's just yeah. I don't remember the name of the character. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I, by the way, I, are you a, an RPG fan? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, though, like, the 16-bit era, I was more of a sports guy. I played sports mm-hmm. games a lot more. Um. The PlayStation was totally where I grew, like, my love for, like, Japanese RPGs, like, you know, Final Fantasy VII and, and a lot of those Square games that came out. Mm-hmm. Awesome, but yeah. But, like, like I said, I say in the introduction to the Genesis book, like, 
the Genesis had such a wonderful lineup of RPGs, mm-hmm. you know, in the Genesis. And it just so many people like the worst thing I ever did as a kid was not have money because I had to pick a side in the console war. And um, <laughs> when you do that, you always lose. So it's like now I try and pick up as much as I possibly can because there's so much great stuff coming out, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I actually just uh, recently, a few years ago, uh, started getting into RPGs. Mm-hmm. The, I, I mean, action RPGs I, I always enjoyed, but the more turn-based and strategy oh, RPGs, yeah. I, I never really got into those mm-hmm. when I grew up. So, but yeah. So I, I never really played through the whole thing in Shining Force. But I will need to do that one day. <laughs> you should play Shining in the Darkness as well. That, that yeah. game is pretty special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the cover. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we're four for five, which is mm-hmm. pretty good. Let's go with number six, halfway there. Yeah. In 1995, Sega released Comic Zone, mm-hmm. a game about a man who is trapped inside his own comic book and has to fight his own creations. What is the name of the character you play as? Option A, Sketch Turner. Mm -hmm. Option B. A, final answer. Really? For sure? Mm -hmm. Yes. Not option B, Max Power? No. Max Power. No, that's that's from, uh, that sounds like Seinfeld. (laughs) It's actually from The Simpsons. Oh, there you go. Uh There you go. Or C, Chad Thunder. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to so, I'm trying to get that into the Genesis book. I'm actually really close to getting that in. So okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, lot, I figured, so, yeah. I figured that would be that would be one of the the options for for the Genesis mm-hmm. book. I actually, uh, actually interviewed Howard Drossen, the composer, nice. a few a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Had a great one of the best interviews I ever did. We spoke awesome. for hours. <laughs> had to actually divide this into two episodes of the show. Really wow. great guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that obviously is the correct answer. Sketch Turner uh, is the protagonist of Comic Zone. What a great game. Okay. Number seven. In this 1992 game, the Earth is being invaded by an alien foe, and it's up to the hero to save his family and the planet? Is it A, Thunder Force 4, B, Alicia Dragoon, or C, Echo the Dolphin? The Earth is being invaded by an alien foe. Oh my god. Well, I know, th- I know uh, the first two, I'm pretty sure, came out before 1992. So I'm going to go with... Uh, with uh, Ed A, Ed A and Nunziata over there, his uh, his Echo the Dolphin or Echo the Dolphin. Yeah, we'll go with that to see. Sure. Did you get Ed to? I have to... Ed on Facebook and LinkedIn. I have his email address, and we're trying. We'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> He's a hard, a hard man to, uh, to yeah to agree to do these things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um. They were all actually released in 1992, 
Really? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, wow. I think so. The only one I'm not really sure is Thunder Force, but I think I can check that out really quick. I believe it was in 1992 as well. Wow. Yes, it was. It was. Oh, wow. But the correct answer was Echo the Dolphin. Yes, nice. yes. It's, no one thinks it's about aliens, but it is. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> okay, three more to go. You're doing a great job. Only one incorrect answer so far. Let's go with number eight. What is the title of, a, of the Genesis action platformer developed by Game Freak? So Game Freak, known by the Pokemon games, uh, which had only been released in Japan until it saw a Western release for the Wii's virtual console service in 2009. <laughs> so this was a Japan only. Is it a Vector Wait, Man? I could tell you without you even really? saying anything. Yeah. What is it? What is it? It's Pulse Man. So not Vector Man or Shadow Man? No, no, no. <laughs> I love Game Freak. Like, um, I wanted to get Pokemon in the first, uh, in the first book really bad, and they ended up sending me like a 30 page PDF of like every fact you could ever want to know about Pokemon. But I said, guys, like <laughs> I need to interview somebody like this is all great for background, but I need to speak to somebody and mm -hmm. they, uh, yeah, they, they didn't want to, they didn't want to do it. So, but, um, I love the little horse racing solitaire game they did on 3ds. Like they're really good. Game oh, feet. uh, Pocket Hero Jockey or something? So good. So much yeah. fun. Th mm -hmm. th this game came up in a, a previous interview I did with uh, someone from another podcast. Mm -hmm. And we all joked around because he said it was called Pocket Jockey. Something yeah. We, you uh -huh. know, no, no, that, that, that's something different. But it's really something like that. Like Pocket Hero. Yeah, it's like Hero. Pocket Horse Jockey or something. Or, like yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So... Kudos for mentioning that. The yeah. answer is obviously Pulseman. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, pretty cool game as well. Uh, they, they, they actually did something with Sega. Sega released the game um, Tembo. The something or rather elephant. Oh, the badass. The badass badass elephant. Tempo the badass elephant. Yeah, that yeah, game's great yeah. too. <laughs> awesome. mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great as well. Yep. Okay. So, number nine, almost there. Originally released on the arcades. This is so easy. This classic driving game made its way to the Genesis in 1991. Is that Outrun? <laughs> it's praised for its gameplay, graphics, and upbeat songs like Magical Sound Shower. Is it <laughs> Outrun, Hang On, or Super Monaco GP? Yeah, we'll go out. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Awesome, awesome. And the final question. Another easy one. What is the name of the puzzle game that is usually seen as Sega's answer to Tetris? In columns. Is it jewels, tiles, <laughs> or columns? <laughs> It's columns. Very good job. Well done. That is it. I tried. It. I tried. Oh, so, so that means nine out of ten. That means you get the official Sega Lounge seal of approval. Oh, which, nice. You gotta yes. send me that. I will send you that. Yes, <laughs> it, it is a, a real thing. Um, oh, nice. And so you, you will, you, will, I will send you that actually right awesome. now on Twitter. Yeah. So you can. <laughs> yeah. 
keep it. You should you should hang it on the wall. You know, print it in the hang. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna put it on my. uh, I'm gonna make a little picture and put it next to the the book. You know, and and, you know this this is a very prestigious award. Thank you. Uh, Only the best get this, Uh, or the worst, depending on how you put it. Uh, <laughs> so great job, great job, thank Patrick, you. and and thank you for for being such a a, a great sport. Yeah. No so, yeah, awesome. Before we go, let's let's talk a little bit about the the Genesis book that you're currently sure. working on, right? So, sure. why Genesis? Uh, what what's the deal with that? <laughs> what can we expect from the book? I I love the Genesis. Um, the thing was, um, I had done. The minds behind the games, the minds behind the adventure games, the minds behind the sports games, which is coming out like in a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. then the minds behind the shooter games, which is coming out like either the end of this year or the beginning of next year. And all of a sudden, I didn't have a project. So I'm like, there's other genres to do, like RPG and fighting and things like that. But I was like, let's let's do something fun, you know? Like let's uh, let's let's do a console, and um. I felt like, you know, Pat Contry did his NES book and Brett Weiss did his NES book. And I'm just like, I want to do something different. So uh, I was like, let's do the Genesis. Because I just remember like the day I got the Genesis and played Sonic the Hedgehog for the first time. And I was just like, damn, Mario does not move this fast. Hmm. You know, and um, I loved RBI Baseball and it took a long time for a game to like supplant the epicness of RBI baseball on the NES to me, but I would say like the day I played the original John Madden, the day that I played the original NHL hockey, like my life was changed forever. Like those games, man, I was just like, because they didn't make sports games like that on the, on the NES. Mm-hmm. It just, it just didn't, it didn't happen. So like, uh, I played the hell out of the Genesis. I loved it. And uh, games like later, you know, Vector Man, um, Altered Beast, Evander Holyfield, Boxing, and so many good games on the Genesis. So I was like, you know what? There isn't a Genesis book like this out. And I'm like, Sega deserves it. Um, So I was just like, all right. So I started the same process of going to a handful of developers and seeing like what I could get. And uh, it just started completely, you know, snowballing. And I mean, if you want, I can give you, as of right now, the current list of games and you'll probably be like, holy crap. So it's up to you if you want it or not. Yeah, for sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we got Dungeons and Dragons, Warriors of the Eternal Sun, uh, Lion King, Evander Holyfield's Real Deal Boxing, Triple Play 96, Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, Mortal Kombat 3, Virtual Bart. Spider-Man, X-Men 2, Clone Wars, Roger Clemens, MVP Baseball, Shikan, Skitchen, Coach K Basketball, Primal Rage, Lethal Wedding, General Chaos, PGA Tour Golf, Poltergeist, The Immortal, Hard Driving, Pit Fighter, Shadow Run, NBA Live 95, Buck Rogers Countdown to Doomsday, Aladdin, Populous, Goofy's Historical, uh, History Tour, Normie's Beach Babe, Orama, Ariel's The Little Mermaid, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Movie, Ren and Stimpy Presents Stimpy's Invention, 
Desert Demolition, starring Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, Gargoyles, X-Mutants, Earthworm Jim, ESPN National Hockey Night, NHL 95, NFL 98, Vector Man, and Urban Strike, and Jungle Strike. Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. great. That's And great. there's a couple of other ones that I'm working on, too. So... It's so not like final it, yet. It's not final yet, but that's everything that's confirmed so far. Mm-hmm. So like right now it's 39 confirmed games. So it's the biggest book that I've done so far. Mm-hmm. And I have the potential, oh, I mean, 41, 41 confirmed games. So it's the biggest book that I've done so far. And I could probably squeeze in like three or four more. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Okay. So what, what was the, the criteria behind choosing these games? I wanted to pick games that people either... Um, had fond memories of or games that people were like yo I used to look at that game all the time in the video game store and I never knew what it was about so it's like <laughs> yeah. a game like Buck Rogers like um, it's basically like a D&D type game it had a beautiful cover but it didn't sell that well and it was designed by S- uh, SSI and uh, those were the guys that ended up doing like uh, Panzer General and Allied General on PlayStation 1 and they did a lot of like um, strategy games. Um, so that was one. And then like uh, Populous is an important game because that's the first game that EA made for the Genesis. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like um, some of the games from Blue Sky, like um, Desert Demolition starring Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote has one of the sickest like development stories. Like the stuff that this team had to go through to put this game out. Um, PGA Tour Golf, I mean, it's one of the most successful like sports franchises ever. That that mm-hmm. would be that I put that in there. The thing is, too, I've done a lot of Genesis games for the other um, books, so like I know some people will be like, "Oh, well, how come you didn't do like the original FIFA?" And I'll be like, "Well, that's in that's in the minds behind the sports games." Or yeah. they'll go, "Oh, how come you didn't do like a Mutant League?" game and i'm like well those are in the other book so it's kind of like i didn't want any repeats mm-hmm. so so yeah it's just trying to get as many different like eclectic games as possible like the reason why i had hard driving and pit fighter in there is because those were two games that like performed incredibly well in the arcade and the technology was super ahead of its time and to try and pull them off on the genesis was like a developer's nightmare so a lot of people that have played Pit Fighter on like Genesis and Super Nintendo don't have the fondest memories of those games. But here I get the developer to tell us why. Like why these games play so different on the console compared mm-hmm. to the arcade, you know? And then at the same time, like Mortal Kombat 3, Jeff Peters just talks about how much the development team went through to try and get the game to play as well as it did. So yeah, there's a and every every chapter just has lots of fun behind the scenes stories. Awesome, yeah. I, I've uh, actually uh, because of the the book, because of some mm-hmm. of these stories, I have tried to to actually get a hold and and try some of the games that you covered. So oh, hopefully wow. that happens with the Genesis that, game as well. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, that's the hope. It's like I, whenever I speak at a convention or something, I'll have somebody come over to me and be like, "Oh, I never tried this game before. Thank you so much. Like, you know, now I appreciate it more than I would have otherwise, and things like that." So super important. Yeah, even some games that you know by name, but you never, for some reason, never tried. You never had the Absolutely. money when you were a kid, or you mm-hmm. never got around to, to playing them later. Yep. And it's it's a good excuse as any <laughs> to just Absolutely. pick up some, some great classics, or maybe not so great, and just give them a try. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. 
Okay, so you obviously have another game, another book, sorry, coming uh, uh, before before the Genesis one. So that's the mm-hmm. sports game, right? Um, yeah, the sports the, book the and the, the shooter behind book the sp- after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. So yeah, two. So two. Yeah. I forgot the shooter games as that's well. That's okay. Yeah. So the minds behind the sports game coming mm-hmm. in a few weeks, right? Any yeah. release date set yet or? Um, well, share? see, the thing is, like, I'm waiting for my final, uh, like, my final uh, prints to come. Mm-hmm. So it's like after the final prints come, it's usually like two weeks after that. So like Amazon says like the first week of August, but like the last book said like a certain month and it ended up coming out like a month before. So that's why I'm saying it's probably going to come out like the middle of July. Okay. Minds behind the sports games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. available for pre-order now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and on my official website, patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books. Awesome. And if people order the, the books from your website, they get a treat, right? Yes. Uh, if you order the book directly from me at patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books, I, I put a whole bunch of cool stuff in there. So Obviously, like if you order from me, I know I know where you live, you know, and um, <laughs> I have your address and I have to ship it to you. But it's like if you're from like California or whatever, I'll I'll message you and I'll say like, oh, are you what do you like? Do you like baseball? Do you like basketball? Do you like hockey? Like, what do you like? Do you like wrestling? And I have a whole treasure trove of like trading cards and things like that. So I naturally like put some signed bookmarks in there and I write something nice inside the book and I put my Walter Day um, card because I, I got a card. um in Walter Day's uh, trading card collection dedicated to me. So I signed that and I put that in there. So yeah, if you order from me, I not, I personalized the book and I put a lot of cool stuff mm-hmm. in there. So uh, that's usually like people that really like video games. They like getting, you know, something unique and that's mm-hmm. probably the best way to get it other than just like, you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Okay. Awesome. So please go do that. Uh, <laughs> you also mentioned that you, because of the books, you got a, a different understanding of how video games and the video game industry works. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a, a few extra chances to work in the video game industry as a result of doing these books as well, right? Yeah, um, I have been uh, a sto- the story editor of uh, The Padre which is on Xbox One, Steam, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. I was story editor, and I was the the lead voice uh, actor of the main... I was the voice of the main character. And uh, the second game is uh, actually in development right now, and I'm doing voiceover for that game too. Um, I was the narrator in the Caillou Offensive. I do voiceover in uh, Relentless Rex, which is currently in development. And I'm also writing the story and doing lead voice acting for a game called Kroom, that is uh, currently in development and the animator on that is actually one of the animators on overwatch so that's mm. going to be a really cool like top-down shooter it's like a lot with a really cool like space inspired story so I'm, I'm super excited for that one too awesome awesome how did that all those projects how did they all come to be how did you get involved with voiceovers and whatnot well what what happened with the padre was uh i saw the game on Twitter and I reached out to the developer to do an interview and uh, I noticed that the game had a lot of issues in terms of its grammar and its syntax. The developers are from Bulgaria. So I reached out to them and I said, you know, your game is really cool, but you need, um, you need someone to edit this, like edit, edit the text. And they were like, well, do you want to? And I was like, oh, all right. Okay. So we reached, we reached a deal on a price 
and uh, I was a story editor. And I thought it was just kind of like a one and done thing. And then a couple of weeks later, they were like, oh, we got more story for you. So it was like I was a member of the team. And then like right before Kickstarter, our Kickstarter started, um, our main voice actor left. And I and they were like, we're screwed. And I'm like, well, to be fair, I'm like, this is like alone in the dark. This is like a really scary point and click survival horror game. And I'm like, this guy's voice doesn't match. Like he kind of sounds like like Russell Brand, like oh, I'm like a bloody <laughs> wacky English man, you know? Wow. And I'm like, mm, it doesn't it doesn't fit. So they're like, well, what are we gonna do? I'm like, I could I could do it. And they're like, what? So I went into my man cave, and I'm like, I didn't want to do that Russell Brandy voice. Um, so I wanted to try and find something different. So I've always been good at that really deep, um, movie voice, like in a world one man, you know. Um, <laughs> So I wanted to combine the two. So, so we came across this dark English accent. My name is Alexander and I am the portrait. And um, I recorded some of the lines and I uh, sent it to them and they loved it. And I had to record like all 4,000 lines like that day. And uh, yeah, then like the rest is like history. I'm kind of like the unofficial like mascot of Feardemic, like the video game publisher. Whenever they have like a YouTube video and they need like an MC, <laughs> they always have like the padre come in and talk so it, it's been it's been a nice little side hustle and mm -hmm. then um from there i didn't want to be a one-hit wonder so I, I got a narrator job for uh the caillou offensive which is a really cool like top down rampage kind of game and uh i reached out to the guy that did relentless rex and he needed somebody to voice his t-rex so i did that and then um Peepaw Ked is an animator on uh, Overwatch, and um, he reached out to me to be on his podcast, and he was like kind of shocked that I knew who he was, and I was kind of shocked that he knew who I was, and uh, this bromance just started, and uh, he pitched me like this idea for a story for a game, and it was like super thin, and he was just like, all right, I want you to write the rest of it, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, write <laughs> the rest of the story. Like, he gave me something very bare bones, like no character's name, just like a very general like motif. Mm -hmm. So I banged out the story in, in a couple of weeks and then, uh, then we were off and that was like, that was like two years ago. So we're actually, uh, we're still working really hard on it. And like, he's super busy. He's on like three other projects and his brother is the, uh, composer and the engineer. So it's just the three of us. So it's taking, it's taking a long time, but like it's time well spent. So that's, I've kind of had a, a fun little journey in video games the past couple of years. And I think it's because when a company hires me to work for them, they not only get a voice actor or a story editor, they get somebody that has a lot of experience because I've interviewed like hundreds of developers. So when they tell me they're going to do something, I'll go, you know, that didn't like work out so well for this guy. You probably shouldn't <laughs> do that, you know, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. You should do that. Da, 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 da. So, so yeah, that all came about from after the first book came out and before I started the second book, I, I just, got back to work on review fix and I wanted to tell the stories of, you know, some indie developers. And then I met the guys from the Padre, you know, Ben mm -hmm. uh, Zalhali, he's awesome. And, and the rest is history, they say. Awesome. Awesome. So again, sleep less, right? Yes. That's the Absolutely. mantra. <laughs> yes. You're going to be, you're going to be an angry, grumpy person. A lot of times, like, 90% <laughs> of the arguments I get in with my wife are because I, I don't sleep enough and, that I'm, I'm just a grumpy bastard most of the time, but, um, 
I get a lot of stuff done and so does she. So like we accomplish a lot more than other people and it's just because we stay up and we, we do what we have to do. So that would be my <laughs> best, my best advice for you. Like you got to fight for your dreams like every second of every single day. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's great life advice actually. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Is she a gamer as well? Your wife? No, no, not at all. She can't stand video games. That's probably like one of my favorite parts about her. Because it's like, <laughs> it's it's fine. You know, it's like when I talk about games, it's kind of like, she's like, okay. And she kind of, you know, she deals with it and stuff like that. But for the oh. most part, it's just, it's my thing, you know? And like, it, it means my daughter is a gamer. She's only three, but you know, I've gotten her into games and it's the thing now that like we can share, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's good for a relationship like that to have, like each person has like their own thing. You know, it's like, I've been a writer for, you know, like 18 years now you know and um I, i couldn't imagine myself being married to another writer you know <laughs> yeah so yeah i i feel you though yeah i, mm -hmm. I my wife's the same so she it doesn't mm -hmm. not, not that she can stand the games but she usually doesn't have an interest in in them yeah uh, my wife deals yeah. with it yeah and i'm like oh i i have this amazing uh developer or musician on on the show that i'm, I'm gonna interview you yeah okay yeah All right <laughs> Uh -huh. That's great. That's cool, isn't it? You, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh so God, those are great. our conversations. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I feel you. <laughs> that's great. Okay. So, Patrick, people can obviously find you uh, on your website, patrickhickeyjr.com, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, on social media as well. You're pretty active on Instagram, on sure. Twitter, at mm -hmm. uh, ReviewFixPet. On, on Twitter, Twitter on yeah. Instagram, I'm just Patrick Hickey Jr. My full name, no spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Patrick Hickey Jr. Yeah, I'm like super accessible. I love speaking to people. So yeah. don't be scared to hit me up, hit the follow, hit the like, and uh, start a conversation with me. That's, I mean, that's kind of like what I live for. A lot of the chapters of the books from the second one on were suggested by people. Like I had people message me and go, oh, you know, you're doing an adventure book. Like you should try and get Croc in there. And then mm -hmm. I did, you know, and then like the sports book, you know, people were like, oh, you should try and get, you know, this wrestling game. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. All right. And I got it. So I feel like the better relationship I have with my readers, the better I can get them what they want. Because I mean, that's bottom line. I mean, I said before that these books were kind of like the love letter to my childhood, but at the same time too, I want to write books that people are actually going to read. You know, so yeah, yeah. I love I love interacting with with my readers. Awesome. So all the links will be in the show notes for so people please do check them out and uh interact with, with Patrick. Patrick, one final question. I sure. usually ask this question to all my guests. Mm -hmm. Not sure if you're familiar with this, you, you probably are. Uh in the nineties the in the US, mm -hmm. uh Sega used the term blast processing to mm -hmm. promote the Sega Genesis, which wasn't a real thing, uh, mm -hmm. but they said that it was what made the Genesis more powerful than the competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's say it, it really was a real thing. So if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? Well, if I could add blast, so something that makes it instantly better without really making it better. Um, or maybe it, it, it does because it's let's let's say for the sake of this question that it, it is real and it's really uh, powerful. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I'm I I would I would add blast processing 
to a Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> because I love the Popeye's chicken sandwich, but when I get it, I have to put more pickles on it and I have to put a slice of American cheese on it because it's not perfect. It's really good. It's a really damn good chicken sandwich, but it needs it needs more pickle and it needs cheese because chicken without cheese is just like a bird. So <laughs> So yeah, I would add glass processing to my Popeye's chicken sandwich. So I can see the ads right now. Mm -hmm. Popeye's now with more blast processing, with 100% more blast processing. It, it, it sounds like the way like the meat is cooked, you know, <laughs> the way the meat is processed. That'd be great. That'd yeah. Be awesome. Awesome. That's a great answer. <laughs> awesome. So Patrick. Thank you so much for coming on the Sega Lounge. This has been really fun. Um, and thank you for your books. Uh, I, I've currently read the first one, and I'm in the middle of the second one as well. Awesome. Uh, can't wait for for sports game, and I definitely can't wait for Genesis games as well. So awesome, man! Thank you. You'll so you'll much. have to I come back when when that is out to to talk a little bit more about that. I'd love to anytime. Awesome. Thanks again to Patrick Hickey Jr. for coming on the show. Be sure to check out all the links in the show notes and give his books a try. Very entertaining and informative. I'm very excited for the minds behind the Genesis games, although we'll have to wait for that one a little while longer. If you enjoyed this week's show, may I suggest you head over to thesegalounge.com and check out our archive of previous episodes. They're all categorized, and not only can you listen to all 21 episodes of the current season in their updated format, but you can also listen to everything before that in its radio show format as well. And if you really liked the episode, please subscribe to The Seg Lounge on your podcast service of choice. And if you've got some time, please consider leaving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or any other service. For the past 21 weeks, I've brought you some great interviews. Hopefully, I helped you keep your spirits up in these trying times. There's more to come, but I'm taking a break next week. The Sega Lounge will return on July 10th with another episode before I take a proper summer break, which will probably happen by the end of July. Please take care of yourselves, have fun in my absence, and stay safe. The Lounge reopens in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to kc at radiosega.net. Follow us on Twitter at The Sega Lounge. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded.